Hello one and all and welcome to the Huddersfield Town Social. We've got the usuals back this week. My name is Greg Mora. Joining me are Cameron Pope, Ian Kilroy and Gas K. As we look back on another dismal week to be a Huddersfield Town fan. Two defeats, no goals, a bit of controversy thrown in yesterday within the Preston game. And overall an overarching sense of doom coming in. If you're a Dad's Army fan, you know what I'm going to say. But I'll leave it to Cameron Pope to first sum up yesterday's defeat to Preston North End. Um, being an ex-referee, you can also touch on the penalty decisions, one of which I think Lewis O'Brien's was, uh, the other which Fraser Campbell certainly made a meal out of it. And um, you got put in your place, didn't you, Cam? Well, uh, I knew I wasn't going to make many friends, um, but I feel like it had to be said, you know, um, looking at those decisions. And, I, and, I'll, and I'll get on to them, but you know, normally I start this sort of thing with an anecdote from my weekend, as everyone knows. But it's no laughing matter the result from yesterday. And to be, to be quite honest, I want to cut to the chase because I'm I'm still furious um, with how he rolled over against Preston. We know it's not happy hunting ground, but we were never in the hunt yesterday. Uh, not at all. So well beaten against the side with a fourth worst home record in the division. One within 12. It's a ninth defeat in that time i mean the fact that we were on course for a sturdy mid-table finish just a few months ago and now we're sitting perilously close to the drop i mean it doesn't bear thinking about um strangely we actually started brightly i thought i don't think the first half was as dreadful as we've seen certainly not going forward i mean there were promising moments and ben's up you know he forced a good stop from edge at box didn't he um that lovely chipped ball from holmes um for lewis o'brien to run onto that probably deserves something better that was unlucky he took the two center halves out of the game and ben's up, you know denied from the free kick too um, did well. But then in between those, of course, came the Campbell incident. Um, and before I get on to the defensive mishaps, I want to touch on that. Uh, anyone who follows me on Twitter will have seen my opinion on this already. Um, anyone who follows Chris Fountain on Twitter will have seen uh, my opinion on this already. And um, for those who haven't, I'm, I'm not convinced at all. Uh, if anyone can actually see a trip or a push in that incident uh, from that iFollow footage, then you've definitely got better vision than me. Because for me, you cannot definitively see a push, a trip, a tangle of legs. It may be there. That's what we imagine might be there. But if you can't see it definitively, you can't give it. And what alarmed me at the break is that virtually all the discussion on the HTSC hashtag and all the vitriol on there was around the referee. And there was very little discussion that went into the mess that was Preston's first goal. Okay, Scott Sinclair finds an acre of space between Kia, who's drawn into the ball, and Nabi Sarr, all right? Uh, Schofield stops the first effort, okay, you know, puts it straight back to him, but there's not a lot he can do. He's been called upon racing out of his goal. Potts' rebound is weak, Sarr fluffs it on the line. Individual error, it's a calamity. But that's not the worst part. The worst part is that Preston did the homework and they did exactly the thing we cannot deal with, and that's negating to press us with the ball in the defence. We had the ball in the defensive third, we had loads of time on it, and we did what we always do, okay? They picked us off as we played into midfield. Now, Nabi Sarr stood with it on the edge of his box. He's got light years of space, time to boot, plays the ball into Holmes, he tries to flick it into Peeper, it's given away. Seven seconds it took, and Sinclair's in on goal having a shot. Three passes, and that's cut us apart, okay? Attack to defence in an instant, and it was all our own doing. And the warning signs were there in the second half too, okay? And, and, and okay, but perhaps we were slightly unlucky. I look at that Lewis O'Brien challenge, and whilst I don't agree with the Fraser Campbell one, yeah, I think the referee's missed one there, okay? And, and looking back at that, he'll probably know he's missed one there as well. However, I'm not even certain it's a penalty, lads, and that's because I'm not even certain it's in the penalty area, all right? I mean, it may well be, and if someone can provide a, an angle that conclusively proves that it's on the line because lines are part of the uh, areas they border, and so that would be a penalty, then I'll happily take that back. 
But until you see it conclusively, you can't guess and you can't give it. And on those eye follow angles, you just can't see it. You just can't see it. So that's when we that's when you bring your assistant referee in. Okay. And 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 those two incidents dominated the discourse at half time. And I think we're really missing the point. Second half, the warning signs were there too. And whatever you think of the referee's performance in the first half, the second half was just inexcusable from town. And that was the reason for our downfall. Okay, Potts hits the bar from the edge of the area. As it laid off to him, there's one, two, three, four, five yellow shirts in attendance on the edge of the box. Go back onto the YouTube channel and have a look at it. Not one of them puts him under enough pressure as he takes the shot. Bayeko stood two steps behind him, completely leaves him. And, you know, we're saved by the woodwork. Then the second goal, we don't learn from it. It's a catastrophe. It's born out the same mesh as the first. I'm not even sure where to start with it, to be honest, because Keo plays the ball out from the back. But Yeko finds Mbenza, and he's not like he's not waiting for the ball. Mbenza is begging for the ball. You can see his arms screaming for it. And then he miscontrols it with this mammoth touch under minimal pressure as he tries to take the midfielder on. And just like that, they've won the ball back without so much as breaking sweat in his half. You know, we don't need teams to break us down because we do it ourselves. And again, that's come from them sitting back and waiting for us to mess up. And then they picked us off. I mean, the finish as well. I mean, come on. Cross comes in, no one picks up Evans. Sarabieka, there's absolute oceans between them. All right, the deflection takes it away from Schofield. I don't think we can blame him for that one, but the damage was already done. And the third, right, okay, that, that's the most excusable one for me. We're gunning forward. We've got to try and get something from the game. We get caught on the counter. That happens, okay? That's par for the course. In a sense, yeah, it's the most excusable. But for me, Schofield is beaten too easily. And, and I'm sorry, but it was a really sorry showing. And it's a really worrying golfing class again. I don't think any of us expected really for us to get a result. But if you could have described the way that town would go behind in those instances, I think those goals, particularly particularly the first and second, are exactly how you would describe it. Well, Preston's not an happy hunting ground for us anyway, is it? I mean, we, we, we never get out from Preston. Um, and, and I'm with you, Cam. I actually thought we started quite well. It looked like a typical town game over recent weeks and months. And then we started well. We showed that actually the level of opposition quality in the Championship this season isn't what it has been. And, and Preston, like quite a few teams, were there for the taking. But in true town form, we decided not to try and take them. Um, we created a couple of decent chances, as you say. I'm going to completely disagree with you around the referee. I thought he was awful yesterday. I thought he made every easy decision difficult for himself. You know, you say the one on Lewis O'Brien is a foul, the one on Campbell isn't. Yet, uh, Romani Edwards-Green got a yellow card for bumping into a bloke who fell over. He didn't even touch him. Yeah, it was a foul on the yellow card. And don't even get me started on foul throws. So, I, but the referee's not to blame, by the way. I think, I don't like blaming referees for anything because they're doing the best. They don't make a mistake on purpose. But, you know, we, we just did our usual. Um, it was a sloppy, sloppy first goal. You know, everything you said about that goal is 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 right, Cam. The one thing that I picked out of that was Holmes. So when when Sinclair breaks into the box, Potts and Holmes are stood side by side. Holmes just stands there and the bloke runs off him in a 10-yard of space and then smashes it in. And I have a bit of sympathy with Sar. He just couldn't sort his feet out. But, you know, it, it's, it's just typical. And after that, the body language, again, which has happened in the last couple of games when we've gone behind, the body language started to go. Um, the second goal, you know, was another tracking error for me. You know, the Chad Evans was stood at the side of by Echo when the ball's played out to the left. Keo's drawn out, and Chad Evans just runs into the massive gap where Richie Keo had been stood. Just run with him, just go with him. And the third one, I think, you know, I think actually, I think the third one's a good goal. The cross was real quality, and the finish was a good finish. But you know, it was mistake after mistake after mistake, and I think. 
Carlos is not exempt from mistakes either. I thought the change at halftime was bizarre. The left-hand side, unorthodox as it was with people in there, with people Holmes and O'Brien, was really paying some dividends in the first half. And I thought we had the better of the first half, certainly down that left-hand side. But he decided Romani Edwards-Green wasn't attacking enough. So he switched it all around and brought Rowan. Now, you could say, well, we needed to get Rowan in the game. But at that point, we seemed to lose all our momentum. Um, the only positive I can take is if Sonogo came on and won more headers in 15 minutes, the entire front line I've done in the previous 26 games. You know, I, whether he's going to be any good or not, how can you tell in 10 minutes? But at least the bloke might, looks like he might be effective and create something and make something happen. But he won five or six headers and flick-ons, good quality ones. They want a town player within 20 yards of him. So it's all right having a plan B and bringing a big lad on up front who can win headers and, and dominate centre-halves. But if the team aren't playing to that strength or, or reading off those flicks, there's no point. So it's just same old, same old, isn't it? You know, I think we all came away feeling disappointed. Um, and we're all now looking at Wednesday worrying about that and, of course, spending the rest of the afternoon checking scores for Rotherham on Wednesday to see whether they've managed to pick up any points. Piss-poor state of affairs, really. Yesterday and the game midweek against um, Derby were two opportunities uh, where, OK, we might not have expected to, to win both of them or compete in both of them for the full 180 minutes combined, but if we'd have got something from at least one of them, then you go into this game midweek against Birmingham with a little bit of a buffer. You've got a little bit of room there that if it doesn't quite go our way, it's not the end of the world. Whereas now we look at it after the two games we've just sat through and it is a must win. Our season, to me, will pivot one way or the other on what happens this week. It just felt, I don't know, it felt like we went back to how we were before he tried to change it up, Carlos, against Wickham. And I know the Wickham game, it didn't work. But after that, um, it, it started working, obviously, against Swansea. Um, a lot of that, unfortunately, well, fortunately at the time, was it was just everything that could go our way did. And now yesterday, everything that went that could have gone our way didn't. Everything went the opposite way. Everything that could have gone in and made our situation worse did happen. That first, the first goal it is, I'm going to put it straight out there now, that's one of the worst goals, if not the worst goal I've ever seen Town concede ever, ever. It starts with us having a free kick on the halfway line and we concede a goal. Nabisar's really unfortunate there not to be able to get that off the line. He's done really well to get there and, and Sinclair's smashed it. Um, not Sinclair, but he's been smashed really hard. And, and Sars got something on it, but it just went just under his foot. Now the ball, if it's an, a, an inch higher or an inch lower, bounces and he clears it away from his foot. Unfortunately, it just got sandwiched between his his studs and, and the ground. That could happen a thousand times and it never happened again. It was just unfortunate. But like you say against Swansea, when everything did go our way and we won, yesterday everything went there, it went Preston's way and, and they won comfortably at the end of it. The biggest issue for me is we started well. Four minutes in and Benza takes that nice little shot that went over the bar and that was a peak of our attacking play. To me, Cam, you're a referee, so I won't be too harsh on him. But I thought that first one, the, the Campbell penalty shout to me, you can see what he's done in that Campbell's run through there and he slowed down on purpose and started dragging his legs. The, the Where he goes down is his back leg, he lifts up higher than it, it would in a natural run. So it's not a dive, but he's initiating the contact that, that makes a pen. So you jump in here, Cam, right? Is that a penalty if the attacker goes out of his way to encourage... Um, contact because that's what happened to me he ran across him he slowed down and waited for him to hit him well it's all up to interpretation um because intent doesn't come into it intent doesn't come into it by the uh, by the fouler and so the foul lead the intention can't come into it either so if campbell dangles his leg 
Um, well, that, that to me doesn't mean it can't be a penalty. Uh, and he definitely does. We've seen him do it time and time again. Probably doesn't help that he does it maybe a few too many times and it doesn't always work in his favour. This is quite a common occurrence to see Campbell hit the deck after trying to look for initiate the contact. So he slowed his run down. He's left the legs hanging. And so if he's done that, he's entitled to do that. And the defender clips him. That's a, The defender's got to react to that. So that's a penalty. Um, and if that, if I see a replay that, that shows exactly that and he slowed it down um, and he's left the leg out and he's, and he's taking him, then yet yeah, for me... You know, the referees might disagree, but I think that's what the rules are stating is a penalty because he's tripped him and you can't trip an opponent. However, the, the issue I have is that, okay, referee is, what, 10 yards away from that in real time. Assistant referee is just perpendicular to it. For us, on those, you know, I, I refereed for seven years and I cannot tell, I cannot see any contact in that. And so it's like, it's, 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 it's not like VAR has is, is, is given it and we've got to overturn it. It's, you've got to find that conclusive proof in the first place. And for everyone who had the same view as us on iPlayer, um, I just can't see, we imagine what we might have seen and what we want to see, but we can't actually definitively see um, a clip between the legs. I'm looking for the contact on the hand. The hand looks like it's open, actually off Campbell's back, which is, and that's normally the giveaway sign, that little nudge. All you need is a little palm in the back and he's down and, 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 and rightly a penalty. But I was looking for the tangle of legs and I really cannot see it. And I must have looked at it about 20 times. Um, and it's, and it's, to me, it's just not there. And so look, I'm going to trust the referee who is five, 10 yard away. The, the O'Brien one is different. Okay, and he's and, and and it frustrates me to read um, read fans um, coming out and saying the referees bottled it. A lot of the time, referees don't bottle decisions; they just get them wrong. They just get them wrong. You know, these are professionals; they do it week in, week out. Not even got a crowd to be swayed by. You know, he's not bottled a decision. He just doesn't think it's a penalty, and he'll see it back, and he's probably going to go, "Fuck, that's a foul." I mean, the question is: Is it in the box? Is it not? But you know, the, the Campbell one. We've seen that sort of challenge happen before, but turn it round. If that happens to Preston, are we a bit disappointed there? Because the first thing we say is, where's the contact? We can't see the contact. And if, and if you can't definitively see it, then I, you can't give it. I still think they are already giving it though, Cam, because it starts off, right? And the Preston guy's got his arm over Fraser Campbell's chest. He's got like it over the shoulder and he tries to grab him. And Fraser stays up. He stays up. And then two strides later, he just dangles his leg and it goes in between the guys. But he goes right up into his balls. And they kind of just both fall over together. And you can't see the contact, but there has to have been contact for them both to fall over. Because if you look, the pressing guy doesn't fall over Campbell when he's on the floor either. They both go at the same time. So that's why for me, I was spending more time looking at it thinking, well, there must be being contact. But again, I think Campbell's initiated it. So if I were playing on the same team as Campbell, you'd be like, yeah, okay. He, he was looking for that. The ref didn't give it because he knows he was looking for it. I still think VAR would have given it for the initial contact, to be honest. Well, that- and, the, and the Lewis O'Brien one, sorry. Definitely, the foul, the, the foul was definitely instigated outside the box. And isn't it that the, the free kick, it's where the where it starts, the foul, not where it well, ends? It's where, it's, where, it's where the contact is made. And, and so if you fall inside the box, then, like, it, then it's, you know, it's, it's, it doesn't matter. It's immaterial. It's a free kick, isn't it? Um, sometimes you do see that there might be a tussle, there might be a, a, a tussle on the scrap, and the two players might bear down the box. And then the referee might decide that the point at which it's constitute a foul and not a bit of roughing um, is inside the box and that's a penalty but for me that's a push it's not like they've run together and grappled together it's a push and the contact for me it looks at least on the line which would be a penalty and so it's it's just so hard to see you know if not outside so it's so hard to call and I couldn't see a replay that could tell me conclusively so I mean my, my first opinion was outside the box the the, the, the replays I, I don't know so would it have been a red though Cam because yeah that's the yeah. thing because Lewis would, would have been on the ball red. so penalty or no penalty they would have been well, down well, no exactly it's whether got, that's any use to town of course it's got to be an honest challenge on the ball you're quite right and so you look at the first one okay let's look at the Campbell one um you could say that's not a, you could say that that isn't a a, a, a honest challenge on the ball because it's a trip 
And so that is still denying a clear goal scoring opportunity. And so that would be a red. If he's come in and just tried to get the ball and missed it, it's different. Um, with penalty, you know, free kick, that's different because it's not a goal scoring, a clear goal scoring opportunity anymore. So for the for the O'Brien one, it doesn't really matter whether it was in or out of the box. That would have been a red for me because it's denying a clear goal scoring opportunity. If the referee thinks that O'Brien is favourite to get that ball, and I think he probably was because it was it was an under hit back um, back pass, then yeah, that's that's a red for me. So I can see why what town fans are agreeing. But that's not my issue. My issue is people seeing things that aren't there. And if you can't conclusively see the contact, then then then, then you just can't give it. You just can't give it. And 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 the other thing as well, interesting that you said, Ian, was about VAR. And a lot of people actually in my mentions were saying were saying um, about VAR. If the referee gives the penalty, I don't think VAR overturns it, right? Because VAR has got to see something there to overturn it. If the referee doesn't give it though, I don't think VAR retrospectively gives that because I don't think you can see enough to give it. I don't think there is enough proof to overturn that decision. And so the referee doesn't think it's a penalty. I honestly don't think the VAR gives it as a penalty either. Not even for the arm over the shoulder initially. Not even for the first contact where he does no, grab not, him not on his shirt. Not, not for me. No, not for me. Because, and, and okay, this comes down to different referees. And we've, like we've said, we've seen them challenges get given before. We've seen them not get given. And so it comes down to interpretation, doesn't it? But, but for me there, the, the on-field decision is no pen. And so I don't think that VAR, unless it's got a replay that we can't see because they're going to be having a lot of angles on VAR, maybe that's when you give it. But if you can't see it, then, then for me, you know, it doesn't, it doesn't change the on-field decision. No, he just, it was so frustrating because I thought we started okay for that first 20 minutes. And to me, it was because we, we, we totally, like I say, we went back to what we were doing prior to the uh, Wiccan game, back to Carlos Corbran standard uh, 4-3-3, he likes to play this way, as we've all seen all throughout the course of most of the season. But what he did change a little bit is the press wasn't as high. We weren't pressing as full as sometimes we do. The, the chaos in that first 15 minutes where we overload and smash people down both wings wasn't there. We were a little bit more reserved which is probably why we look better. We looked okay. But it's just just on that first penalty shot, we started opening up a little bit. We started pressing a little bit higher. And that's within two minutes we concede and fall 1-0 behind. That's exactly what happened. As soon as we open up, which is such a concern, if we try and dominate at 0-0, if we try and dominate and press high, we get sucker punched every single time. And the most worrying part of it for me is that it's the same fucking way every time we do it. The gap between the right back and the centre back, normally Keo, is awful. That's how it works one way that's one issue that we have the second issue that we have that we always continue these goals by was fucking about with it at the back passing around too much like for the first goal we've got it and we've passed backwards and we've somehow managed to concede from a free kick on our own on the halfway line that we're in control it's unbelievable I don't understand how you can concede a goal from there I do generally not understand how that is possible but we, we managed to do it we managed to do it pretty easily and the third way we concede goals which is where two goals came from yesterday again one was down the wing but uh, we like to have our centre-backs go and meet attackers when they start dropping into the midfield. As soon as they drop a little bit deep, our, our defenders are right up there. They call it as guys on the eagle, right up their ass. You, you get up their ass and kick them a little bit. And this is all still old school football coaching talk, right? That's what people used to say for years. Get right up him, grab his shirt, up him, jockey him. Or just get, get up his back, don't let him turn, don't let him turn. And that's what we try and do. So Richard Keogh yesterday, I think it was for the, he, he, he's straight up the back of someone. And they just pass it to the side and pass it in the gap behind Richard Keogh every time because our centre-backs aren't fast enough anymore to be able to get back and cover. Maybe when we had Schindler doing it, we, he was not the fastest, but he's faster. And he was able to do it. had a few games where he could do it pretty well because he's, he's pretty light on his feet for a big boy. But we just concede goals in the same way every time. And now against Swansea, we didn't. But, but yesterday, it just felt, again, copy and paste from what we've seen for six months of the season before the last few games. And it's so worrying. I thought Swansea was a turning point for us. But when you see us do the same things over and over again, 
again, the problem to me now is not the players. It's the system. It's a systemic issue that the way we need to play to attack in, in Carlos Corbin's system creates deficiencies with the defence. And someone said, um, looking at where we are compared to last year, we've conceded, I think, two goals fewer, but we've only scored the same amount. We're on the same amount of points from 33 games as we were last year. So it's very, very similar. But for some reason, it feels like we're a lot worse in defence and a lot better in attack, but we're not statistically. It just looks that way. We have to work so hard to score goals, as we all talk about. It takes 58 passes to, to bag one. Yet we gift, we literally gift goals away in three, four passes because we're out of position so often in the wing-back role. We love Pippa. Pippa's fantastic. He's the best attacking outlook we've got other than Naby Sal when he's up there um, at all. But we, we, when they do go forward, they leave gaping holes at the back and teams have worked us out. Now, Preston defended so narrow, so, so narrow. They knew our danger was Pippa. We tried to put everything down that side. Pippa playing the left-hand side for a change with Lewis O'Brien and Dwayne Helms. We tried to go down there so often. And what they kept doing is Pippa would show left, show left, show if he was going around the outside. But everyone knows he's going to cut in. You could tell it was an uphill battle that they didn't. I didn't ever feel we were going to get back into. It never felt like we threatened to get back into the game either, did it? And we've seen that a lot of the time in the last couple of years. And the players know that. The staff know that. I think that, again, the flapping's back. The flap is back. And it's really weird at this point of the season going into a game like we've got coming up this week. We're, we're fragile. We are very, very fragile. We just. We, Yesterday was I found it I found it hard to watch it was hard to watch wasn't it I, th I thought I could have I could have turned it off because I knew what was coming I just knew what was coming and then to throw the young lads on at the end is oh, just Scott High cost us another goal at right back he was totally out of position for the third goal we were bombing on trying to trying to get back into the game but you're leaving it one on one with some really experienced pros against some guys that have barely played at B team level for over a year or two and we're expecting them to get results. So no goal was great, I thought, when he came on. Guys, I'm with you on that. I thought he offered more. Even the Mounier did over the over last season. He looked he looked he looked very, very good in the year. And now if we can get some players playing off him, fantastic. It definitely gives an option to to change it up and, and try and bag a few goals and, and take a few points to to make sure we stay up this year. Um that that was probably the only positive I saw in the entire game. Apart from Schofield's save for the first goal was pretty nice when he came out and stopped it. It was just unfortunate it went in after, but that's kind of uh, the nature of the beast sometimes, isn't it? That free kick on the halfway line, you know, it, it, it's funny. Connor and I were talking about this in the last game. Can you remember the last time that Town got a free kick on the halfway line or just inside the opposition's half and loaded the box up? You take into account how big and strong Sar is, and actually he's been effective-ish at set pieces. We don't take that option. You know, I watched Rotherham the other night, and Rotherham caused problems for the opposition by by doing those kind of things. What we do is we get on the halfway line and then play it backwards and then play it sideways, and play it sideways, and play it backwards, and then play it sideways again. And that's how the first goal came. We had an opportunity to perhaps press Preston in their own half of the pitch, and we took a choice to play it backwards again. It was awful, guys. And it's actually, I noticed it yesterday. If you watch Preston, they played quite direct, but they did pass around a little bit at the back. But where they pass around at the back was they got up to the halfway line first before doing it. They drove out quite far. They didn't pass around on the edge of the box. You watch Town pass around at the back, and we are as deep as it's possible to be. We are, we play so deep. So the gap between the defence and the midfield is quite big. And when Johnny Ogg is there and he's fast as anything to come to the ball really quickly, that's fine. But we miss Johnny Ogg because when he's not there, Baeko isn't as fast. So when he's coming to try and get the ball from the defenders, because the gap's so big, it gives Preston time to chop to cut the passing lanes up or to get up his ass again and, and stop him with the easy, easy ball. But the way Preston did it, which was really, really impressive to me, they pressed so high before they started passing around at the back that they could hit strikers' feet first time. And that's what they're looking for. They're looking for the striker coming deep into the midfield to flick off to a winger, to run back into the space where the centre-back was at. 
the way we play, which is so deep at the back, we can't do it because it's a 50, 60 yard pass to a striker's foot to be able to um, to be able to pivot and, and, and attack from there. But you're right, we, we just we we just it just seems like we make the wrong decisions and we try and play the ball in the wrong on the wrong part of the field. And now I don't, I haven't seen an answer to that in town this year. I don't think we've got past that yet, have we? I think that we've done it game and game, game after game. So that, that honestly, that, that I'm gonna have nightmares about that. I'm gonna have nightmares about that first goal for a long time. It was it was so bad. Like if, if you watch the highlights, if anyone hasn't watched the game and has only watched the highlights of the goal, the short two minute highlights on Town Player. This, the error for the first goal, and I think it's the second goal, I might be in the third goal when Mbenza dribbles it too far. He has a heavy touch and then Preston hit on the counter after O'Brien makes a mess of deciding who he should chase. Neither of those parts are on the highlights. The, 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 the two goals come from errors that you can't see. So you not you have to watch the extended highlights to see it because that first goal needs to be seen to be believed. It was bad. I think we'll leave up there. The, the, the Preston game, at least. We'll still tell now sit 19th in the championship table, seven points clear of Rotherham United, who are on a disgraceful run of form of, I think, five defeats on the bounce now. So um, the, the bottom three, uh, with Wednesday also on a on a pretty poor run, um, basically keeping us out of it. We somehow probably need to find 10 points in the next 13 games that we've got left in the season. Um, I do miss about a few Oh, even six weeks ago when we were keeping an eye on the playoffs, uh, Barnsley won the last five and they're nearly there. What could have been? Um, we'll focus on Tuesday night because it is a very important game and it's perhaps a season-defining one against Birmingham. Uh, it were just below us in the table. Not many of those teams who are currently now below us. And the pressure that's going to be on town and the question which I think is on certain people's lips if Town don't come out of that with at least a point, what, what, do, what do you do as a club? Because I think Carlos Corberan is, there is a lot of pressure now on his job. Do you keep, you know, it'd be ironic given the fact we gave him a new contract in December or do you, do you know, do you stick or twist is basically the question. And and how, how can we get a result from that game, especially following on that conversation we just had? Well, I look at it and yeah, the, the importance of this game isn't lost on anybody. Um, they, they, they don't come much bigger than this, okay? Two-point gap between us, and this is the definition of relegation six-pointer. Um, and dangerously, Birmingham obviously come in, into the back of this one off a win. Uh, and they do something as well that we can't do, which is come from behind. They went down into the last 10 minutes, 1-0 down, and they come away with three points, you know? And that's what sets this up to be such a huge game. We played them a few weeks ago. Might have been different. That um, um, well, no-win run of six games, and now they've won two of the last three. And so, okay, yeah, that might be against QPR and, and, and Wednesday and they got schooled by Norwich in between. But they've got, they've clearly got goals in the locker. And, and, and to be quite honest with you, I can't see us getting a win against anybody um, at the moment. So uh, to answer the first part of the question, how do we get a win? Well, I don't know. For me, it was an encouraging little cameo from, from Sonogo. And maybe that's the outlet we go with. Uh, maybe that's um, something we have to bring in from the start because, okay, um, we've got Phillips now and for the first time this season, we've actually got um, a couple of options up front. I'm, I'm not going to say five. How, you know, if they go with their normal 4-1-4-1, how we, how we go about breaking that down, uh, I just don't see. 
um, it's it's a difficult one, and you know maybe more tactically astute men like uh, like 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 Ian might be able to offer some more insight into that. But at the moment, I'm really struggling to see a way through it. I think I'd like to see Aaron Rowe bring him from the start. Maybe I'd like to see us go back to the uh, um, to the proper three-five-two. Um, maybe we can unlock people a little bit more down the flanks, etc. Um, I'm a bit more comfortable now that we can probably go with Sonogo rather than Holmes peeling off Campbell. I imagine that's what we'll go with. Um, but yeah, I really I, I've thought about this, and I'm really at a loss now, which is a dangerous precedent to set for the rest of the season. But how we can actually go about turning this form into a winning run, I don't see where we're going to get a goal from, to be quite honest. I can't see him. <clears throat> I can't see him changing. Carlos, no matter what happens, I think Phil's too far down the rabbit hole with this now. Um, I think you look at our points per game, we've got 36 points off 33 games and we need another 10 from the last 11. So points per game tells you we'll probably scrape it. Um, and I think I'm, I think we probably will, actually. I think we'll probably scrape it, mainly on the back of other teams being worse than us. Um, you know, sacking managers isn't always the answer. Um, we need we need to try and find some stability. Um, I think there's distinctly a split camp around Carlos. Either he's been sold down the river by the board or he's plainly not good enough. There don't seem to be much in between, I think, at the minute. Um, he, he, you know, I said last week, the bloke needs some help. I, I, don't, I don't change that. But we do need some stability. And I think uh, Charlie on Twitter was saying around the, the amount of movement behind the scenes we've had since relegation three commercial managers, two CEOs, plus another announcement that never came, two heads of football, three managers, staff redundancies. You know, what we don't need, you know, in some ways, what we don't need is more upheaval. Um, but I'm not sure I can bear Phil Phil's review in fucking June telling me what a genius he is by sticking by the decision. And and look, we stayed up comfortably. I don't know what your problem is. That That's the bit that, that'll probably rub me up the wrong way. So I'm with you, never mind the next win. I don't know where next goal's coming from. I, I, I'm I'm really concerned. And I, do you know, I want I want him to just just go for it. I, I want him to change the shape, go 4-4-2, stick Sonogo and Campbell up top. No, I'm saying it, and, and, and play off them and play like a British team because we're too busy trying to, trying to pass our way to safety. And I cannot see it. I know I've got all Mike Bassett on here, but I just, you know, we've got, it's going to be effective. And, and passing it backwards from the halfway line with a free kick doesn't play the percentages. We're in the percentages territory and Carlos needs to wake up and smell the coffee. I, 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 yeah, I think if the question is, will Carlos be a goner? I think the answer is no. I want to see your Christmas pudding formation. Get Tonka on. Let's get Tonka up top and see what he can do for us. Look, You'll all be delighted to know Birmingham love playing a, a low press, uh, give up possession happily and, and sit deeper and hit on the counter. They're going to play the exact way everybody was beating us has played. Um, so we've got to find a way to break it down. And our biggest problem is we, we take an approach that we're going to outscore teams, that we'll just, oh, we'll attack, fuck it, let's have a go. If we if we concede, great, we'll still keep going. And we'll, We concede too many goals. That's the be-all and end-all of it. We might have conceded, like you say, two less, two fewer than last year. But last year included Jan Seiwert's 11-game start where we conceded about 14 goals every game. And then under the Cowleys, they did throw games away, didn't they? When games were lost, they kind of, all of a sudden, you'd lose 4-5-0. Um, we, we gifted a lot of goals away pretty late on in games. It didn't really matter, like David Wagner did. So you can't always look at just the amount of goals conceded to understand when they were conceded and, and how they were conceded. But now we, we seem to concede in two and three every game. It's, we, we've got to be tighter at the back. And I really felt like we did start that way against Preston. We started better, but 
it's like he just he's got this little Tourette's thing, but it's attacking football Tourette's. He's like, oh, fuck it, let's go for it. Let's just go for it. After 20 minutes of good solid football, we twist and we can see the goal two, three minutes later every time we go for it. We've just got to stay more structured. And I understand we're at home. I understand that. So I think we're home. Um, we, we, we understand that when you're playing against a team in, in, in trouble like we are, right, put it that way, that you don't necessarily play as defensive. You try and go out because it's a six-pointer. You need to go out and win the game. Yeah, we get that. And I'd take that off the, I'd just ignore that entirely and write, how are we best going to win this game? And, and, and if we keep playing the way we're going, unless we get everything that just falls in, the posting in instead of a posting out, we have to be more rigid at the back. We cannot keep biting in that defensive. The, the centre-backs can't keep giving easy chances away for strikers and, and on, on-rushing midfielders to run into. They just can't keep doing it. Unfortunately, though, boys, we've not been able to, to stop this all season. So to expect us to be able to turn this round from, from Saturday to Tuesday as, as quickly as that, I think, is, is asking too much. I think it's, I have, interesting. Sorry. Sorry, it's, it's interesting what we say about, um, about, about Sievert there as well, actually, because you look at it, if you want to compare the two, um, you know, Sievert, he started the 1920 season, uh, and it's mad to think that he was there that recently. Um, he started the 19, uh, 1920 season with three losses and a draw. He ended the season before with eight losses and two draws. So, okay, last 14 games, 11 losses, three draws, and sacked. If you look at Carlos's last 12, it's not a lot of difference. Okay, there's the one win in there. Okay, there's the one win, and maybe that saves him. But then there's nine losses and two draws. So what happens if we lose these next two games now and we're on 14? Then look at the figures then. It's going to be 11 losses, 11 losses, losses if you want to call them that true, but 11 losses, two draws and a win next to 11 losses and three draws. Okay, two points difference between um, between between Saivet end of, end of run and, 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 and car losses. And okay, Saivet had a better team. Yeah, he, def- he definitely had a better team. Um, but th- this is a state that we're in now. And so for me, look, I wish Carlos the very best, but he's and he's been he's been sold really short. I think with the crop of players made available to him, who knows how good his philosophy might have been if he'd been able to recruit the way that he would have wanted to, um, and, and to the standard that he wanted to, and technically proficient players able to execute his system. Um, but we'll never know that. And, and the fact is, he hasn't got that to work with. Okay, he's got B teamers, and and, and he's he's got a playing squad far below the quality of that of last season. Um, and, and and he's proven, unfortunately, that he can't adapt to it. Um, he can't turn us around. He can't lift heads once we go behind. You can see his frustration at it, but he's not the man to take us forward. Okay, and I don't. And I'm, and I'm not saying that that that, I, that he should have done better. I don't know if he could have done better on what he's been given, and I don't know what he's been promised because it's probably not what he's got. So for me, for me, I think it is the end of the road, and and, and we do need a firefighter to come in now. Unfortunately, and and, and I hate to see it, but I mean, I'd, I'd hate to see Town in League One more than that. So I think it has to be done now. And I, and I feel for Carlos and I hope he goes on to good things, but this just isn't the job for him. Has he been unlucky with injuries, Cam? Well, say has he been unlucky with injuries? I don't know, because really I think there was probably a bit of naivety there because we haven't got a big squad. And playing this murder ball, the number of soft tissue injuries we've had this season. And yeah, okay, we got unlucky with certain injuries too. Um, serious injuries to senior players. But then again, like the, we're crocking players like no tomorrow and we don't have the reserves to do that. We obviously don't have the players who are quite ready for such intensity. Um, and so that was an oversight, I feel. I think we should have prepared for that. If we didn't have the backup, then that wasn't a way to do it. We had to find another way to match the intensity. Uh, and, and so, yeah, okay, we can say he's been unlucky with some injuries, but also a lot of them are self-inflicted. And maybe, okay, maybe it's not that we don't have the players who are fit enough. Maybe we don't have the um, support staff in there. 
I know we, we, we get a weekly mentioning, don't we, for Dr. John Eager, and this is my time to throw his name into the hat. Uh, you know, we don't have, we, we obviously don't have the support there to, to look after these players. And so really, I don't think we can play the injury card too much because we have brought it on ourselves. I mean, what do you think, guys? Do you think he's been lucky with, with, with the injury? <laughs> well, DTS made a point before the eye follow commentary yesterday of reeling off the entire list of injuries. Um, you know, I was overjoyed to read that Tommy Elphick's nearly back to fitness. I mean, come on, fuck's sake. I, he, he has, and, and uh, the only one really that could possibly have made a difference on form before injury, though, is Karoma anyway. The other injury, the, the other players that are injured, what have they added to the team? No, you know, Schindler, God love him. You know, the, the bloke's a legend. But I'm not sure he's much of an upgrade on, on Keo or Stearman if we're playing the formation Carlos wants to play anyway. So, you know, Karoma aside, I think it's a red herring, if I'm honest. How dare you? How dare you link uh, Schindler with Richard Keo? That man's a Adonis. Richard Keo's rubbish. Does not compare to my boy Schindler. He's not as attractive, Greg, that is for sure, is he? Not That's as good sure. either. No. Never will be. Sorry. Oh, Ian, interjects. No, I was just on the injury front, right? I, I When we started the season, on-field performances were high energy. Everyone was at it. Everyone was overperforming, and, and we, we you saw how much the full-backs got back and forth, and you're thinking, shit, how are they doing this? Where are these guys coming from? That doesn't happen anymore, does it? We don't have that same energy. And I do wonder if the injuries took so much of a toll early doors in the training methods that we've dialed that back a bit. And that's why the results on the field aren't necessarily as good as they were at the beginning of the season either. I don't. I wonder if he's uh, dialed it back somewhat just to protect players instead of what we were doing early on, even though it worked because we were going to run out of men very quickly if we carried on going as we did through December and January, where every week it was somebody getting somebody else getting injured and Danny Ward getting injured again and again. And again. <laughs> so someone yesterday say... Um, he's got a new injury now, hasn't he, Danny Ward? Is it his car? I don't know what he's done. He's done a second injury. And someone said, How, how's he managed to get injured? He's already injured. And somebody else just said, um, oh, he must have bent down to pick his wallet up and that must have done his, uh, done his other leg in. And now that obviously hasn't gone on, but I thought it was a little bit, a little bit of a chuckle there because it's just it was so bad over that couple of couple of months when when our form was really quite good before before Christmas. It was that nine out of ten form. And then it really it really curtailed off, didn't it, a little bit after everyone everyone went missing. So uh I just I blame the injuries and I wonder if I can he's, he's still he's trying not... to justify nine out of ten, desperately justifying it. <laughs> I will justify that until the end of this season until Carlos isn't here. And even then I'll bring it back up. It's never going away because up until Christmas it was fantastic, but it's just too many people got too many injuries, so he had to dial it back, guys. And that's why maybe he's not as good now as he was before Christmas. Clutching at some straws there, Ian. Jesus. No, no, I I think it's a, in a way it's a fair comment about RE injuries, but it's also a fair comment to say what Gaz has just said. How much difference would that mean? Josh Karam is the only the only player who's really performed to what we'd say would be a very good standard this season. I don't think a lot of players can look at how they've performed. Someone like Lewis O'Brien's season's not been extremely... Well, he hasn't replicated this form of last season. But maybe Harry Toffolo is probably the other one you could say before um, his red card had a really good season. Not a lot of the mad peep has been up and down. Defence is what it is, and the attack is what it is. There's there's a there's no spine to our team, and I think ultimately that is causing us a lot of issues. Um, going back to what Cam was saying, Ari Carlos, I, I I do think the pressure's on him, but I I don't think we will twist because 
I don't see how anybody coming in. I think, and I don't, I don't want to say it's ego, but if Phil twists and brings in a, a British manager, he's going to have people like me going, why did he get rid of Danny Cowley? Because you had a proven English manager nine, ten months ago who had uh, worked with worked his way from the bottom to the top. He's, he's a proven winner. You got rid of him for a, an experiment that's failed. Um, I've, I saw someone, I think Rob, Rob Manning put on Twitter or something about getting rid of a pragmatic manager when you were nearly bankrupt uh, in Lou Bakari and bringing in Mick Walter who was supposed to bring you... Uh, Amazing attacking football, and I'm no way comparing Carl Scorbrand to Mick Wadsworth, so I think that's it's very disingenuous. But there is there is uh, similarities. We have the option to be pragmatic and be I don't want to say British, but be a little bit more conservative and focus on getting decent results and building on something. And we chose the wrong direction. And I will continue to back the Cowleys until the help that. So that whoever it is is out there wandering the moors comes home because he followed me on Twitter and I'm very happy about that anyway. Um, speaking about the state of things and it, it's something that, that we were discussing yesterday on, on the group chat. We got took cold a lot of negative bastards quite a few months ago when we were doing all right. Um, I don't want to go off Chris Whitty and say we're ahead of the curve and that, but... Um, in the last couple of weeks, we've seen the uh, the Westvale Sports Club uh, kind of outrage, which is hilarious. We've seen the, the the kind of hilarity and defeat, but the state of things right now are quite grim. And when when you, you see a lot of the most positive people even now turning against the club, former and current owners, and the way it's being run, you've got to start thinking: when season tickets are about to be renewed, what the hell kind of position are we going to be in? Come come August, potentially, when we've got up to 10,000 people in the stadium, whether there are going to be 10,000 people holding a season ticket is another question. I want to ask you guys, state of things, apathy-wise, anger, whatever you want to call it, where the hell do you think we are? Because I think we're at a very big turning point and I don't see it going to go well for Huddersfield South Football Club. Well, I, I, you're right. I think apathy is is a key word. Um, it is good to see town fans having a sense of humour. So, as you rightly say, the West Vale thing was amusing. The only thing funnier really was Cam triggering the fountain yesterday, and now having to go into hiding. Um, Cam will be deleting all his social media accounts. Uh, he's deleted. His, he's already had his mobile phone cut off just in case. But it's um, this feels a bit rinse and repeat for us as well. You know, I think. I think you're right. We were we we and and I've had me, me round as well. You know, we're considered negative for some of the things we said. A few people are starting to come to that view now. Um, I, I, I repeat everything I said last week, which is the club's an echo chamber. It's full of people pissing up each other's back, telling them what a great job they're doing. Um, you know, I, I, we were talking before the, the the recording, and I think you know, even Dean Hoyle is starting to come in for. He's being questioned rather, rather than coming in for some stake. I think he's being questioned by even the most loyal of people um, around his circles. The season tickets thing is a real opportunity for them to make a statement. And the only thing they've said so far is they're going to stand by their promise that those who didn't ask for a refund get a price freeze. I'm sure they said at the time it was a price freeze for three years, but that that appeared to be missing from the, the article on the town website. So perhaps I just misread that. Um but, you know, where does that leave them with those that didn't renew? How were they going to re-engage those people and get them in? Because I'm with you, Greg. I can't see 10,000 season ticket holders this year. 
If it's six, I'd be surprised. Um, you know, so how are they going to get those people to to re-engage and get in the ground? I mean, we you know, we'll we'll knock in fifty quid off a ticket if season ticket make it attractive enough. Probably won't make no difference. So why sell them at three hundred quid and get six thousand, or sell them at four hundred quid and get five and a half thousand? You know, I I don't see this. I don't from a business point of view. I can't see a return on investment on discounting the season tickets. But they need to try and generate some emotion. You know, there's no emotion around the club now. The only emotion really is is disappointment. They need to try and generate some emotion and feeling. Um, they need some more links with the team. You know, people talk about Danny Schofield being part of the management group. It's a, I think it's a peripheral role. Um, does he really? Gen- is he an Huddersfield town man through and through? He's not easy. So you know, I think. Um, it's going to be a big decline. I think the board need to prepare themselves for a big drop in income next year. And if we're in the championship, then it just starts the cycle of cost management all over again. I think I agree with a lot of that, guys, to be honest, because I think I think engagement has to be the top priority at the moment. Um, like we've said, there's, there's never been quite such a disconnect. Uh, and okay, the, the announcement went down like a lead balloon. And it's never going to be a popular one. Right? I appreciate that this is a difficult one for the club. Um, but then I look back at, at the at the sound bites we've been offered throughout the season, and we're apparently in a better position than a lot of clubs. So that I would want that to be reflected uh, in the offer to supporters because I'm not being funny. The clubs need supporters through the doors because they're going to vote with their feet and their wallets next season. You know, if 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 um, if this continues, and of course, okay, it does depend on the divisional status, doesn't it? Um, but you know, I, I didn't renew because of work. But if I had renewed, I'd probably be a little bit disappointed now, especially if I was a family of three or four and I spent, you know, close to all up to a thousand pounds on my season tickets and I'd had uh, an iPhone stream. And so, uh, okay, it's not a full announcement. And so it's hard to give a full analysis of it, isn't it really? Um, all we've seen so far, though, is that nothing has changed. Um, and yeah, okay, town season tickets are cheaper than a lot of, um, a lot of, uh, Championship clubs. We said before we came on air, didn't we? We were discussing some prices, and I was shocked to see Middlesbrough's last season was nearly six hundred quid. Um, so yeah, okay, it is cheaper than a lot of clubs, absolutely, and we are fortunate in that. And maybe we've been blessed with very cheap season tickets for the seasons before that, uh, and and so maybe we have to be realistic. But if it's two hundred and fifty pound for those who faithfully stuck by the club, put their money in when it was a hard time for everyone, and then renewed, well, I hate to think what it's going to be like for the rest of us. Okay, and and and. I'm, I've, you see a few people, you always have this argument, don't you, about who's a proper fan and I've had a season ticket for 40 years. Circumstances change, financial circumstances particularly change and like, you know, no one's calling anyone out for not being a loyal fan. Um, that, that said though, if you've, if you've renewed, if you've renewed last season and you, and you put your money into the club, that should be rewarded. Um, the, 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 you know, the, the shirt vouchers or replica sales turn out to be a bit of a fast, didn't it really? And so the club's got to be careful here, I think. And yeah, okay, we've got to balance the books, but how many fans do you want in? And Gaz makes a really astute point. Um, do you want two hundred? You want eight thousand people to buy it at two hundred pounds, or do you want to do two hundred fifty and, and six thousand people buy it? You know, I'd rather have people through the door. I'm sure the club would as well. Um, so yeah, I'm going to be watching that pretty eagerly because at the moment, I don't know, it doesn't look good, and I, I, I hate, to, I, I, I shudder to think of the low attendances we are actually going to have when we're allowed in next season. Well, like a broken record, as guys, honestly, we've been speaking about this since the moment the Cowleys were sacked. We have. As soon as they were sacked, the club came out spot speak. And then when Corbyn was was appointed in that in that time frame, we came out talking about DNA. We came out talking about culture, about creating a, a special club with a B team model and this. And we spoke about it. And from the moment we said it's just football jargon, it's a load of shit, it means nothing. And since then, there's been little steps forward in like bringing Corbyn in. 
establishing the B team, bringing players like Coroma through and bringing Schofield through. And then we've panicked within certain times and we've brought in people like Nabisar and we've brought in Richie Keogh that didn't really fit the model that we were after. And it's just all resulted to me in, in a situation where I just don't really give a shit anymore if we get relegated or not. Like it, football is cyclical, right? Teams do well, teams do poorly. Shit happens. That's what happens in football. It's happened since the beginning of football and that's why we love it. Because it'd be boring if you were a Coventry in the same division for whatever, like maybe not the Premier League for 30 years, but you're looking at teams that haven't been out of League One and League Two ever, like Rochdale and the highest they've ever been League One. And that'd be boring. No one wants that. No one wants that. And to, to achieve the highs, you have to have lows. I get that. But what really fucks me off is I just don't trust anyone at the club anymore because they say things that are mistruths, half-truths. They say stuff that I just, I struggle to believe, like this new communication stuff that came out from town last, last month where Phil said he's going to do it every month now. Great, fantastic, a step forward. But even that's webbed on a base of something that Devlin said. They said he didn't know town fans were after this form of communication. And now that did my tits in. That did my tits in more than anything. Because how can a CEO of a club, of a, a smallish club, like we're not, we're not Man United, we don't have a billion fans. We've got what, as a core, no matter what division we're in, we've got 10,000 that'll buy tickets to go to the games at home. And that appreciates up to, what, 18,000 if we're doing really well. And Premier League, you get a few floaters in. We get that. But we're not massive. So how can a CEO not be aware of that? I mean, like, we've cried about that for months. Everyone on social media has cried about that for months. The HTSA asked for a representative from a podcast or, or other, so, or other uh, supporters groups um, to be on the ATT panel. So to say they weren't aware of that, I'm sorry, but that's bullshit. I mean, if it's not bullshit, that's even more worrying. I don't know what the worst part about that is. But even when something good happens, it normally comes from something that's quite questionable. And now the season ticket thing on top of it, right? You've had people that sat at home and four people have got season tickets. His mum and dad and two kids have got tickets and, and, and they watch the game together. So all four of them have paid for access to watch one stream. And then to only offer them a price freeze to me is pretty stingy. It's pretty Yorkshire, isn't it? It's pretty like I'm not gonna I'm not going to help out where I could there especially when you consider other clubs have, have, have done a lot more for their fans in the, in the coming year when it comes to offering season tickets for next to nothing if they had one this year. Was it uh, a couple of clubs have done it or 99, like Swansea have done it pretty cheap as well. There are other ways to do it for the longevity of the club to see what's going to happen in 10 years from now. You want to keep people engaged. It's going to be hard enough for town to get every fan back in the stadium that was there before and nigh on impossible. But there are ways you could at least try it. And at the moment, it feels like it's, very not, not much is being said, is it? Like you said, guys, they've just they've just said, yeah, it's going to be a price freeze. Is it going to be a three-year price freeze? What price is it going to be for everybody else that didn't have one this year? They asked for a refund. Because you know what, guys? Listen to this town, right? It's not about the people that actually kept the season tickets last year. You want to get the people back who got the fucking refund, guys. They're the ones you want back because they're the ones you're going to lose if you don't do something special to get them back. And after you fuckers have gone, right? After Phil sells in however my five, 10 years, two years, whatever it is, we're still going to be a spot in our club, but we want as many other people like us here as possible. And now that's on you as custodians of the club to do that. That is your job to keep the fan base as high as possible and to, to provide a nice bit of football on the field, yes. But you have to keep the club as big as possible. The guys that asked for the refund last year are the ones you're in danger of losing, so let's do something to get them back, yeah? Let, let's try and entice people back into the stadium because they're the danger. And as everyone knows, it's more expensive and more difficult to get somebody to come back who has left. Maybe, maybe it's a little bit different because it is just a refund in a COVID year, so it won't be as difficult to get them back. But it will be if you don't do anything. So come on, guys, try and get them back because we might suffer from this for a long time to come. The, the, all the research that <clears throat> I'm seeing around, um, you know, I'm involved in a retail business, is that 
disposable income is likely to increase in 2021. You know, people people who still are employed uh, generally haven't spent any money. They've been at home. They can't go out. Even those on furlough have found themselves in a better position. Um, and, you know, so I think you're right. If we engage people and there is more disposable income, the club can find other ways then to perhaps generate some some brass beyond the season ticket. So, you know, I made my point there that what difference is knocking 50 quid off? Well, perhaps you're right, Ian. Perhaps it's an investment in getting him through the door so you can then look to generate more income off the back of it. The problem is there will be people who realise there's more to life than football. I know the situation that we're going in, it's all right for Ian being sat in a, in a country that's you know nice, warm, sunny, and you can go to the pub and go to football games at the minute, but there will be people, it's a life-changing experience, and people are realising, actually, life's too short to be um, to go and watch football and rather you know, go out with the family. And I think football's a habit, isn't it? You know, I had this conversation with Furby, who's been on here a few times uh, offline, and about what we we do next season. And I think we we, we were both probably 60-40 about getting a season ticket because both of us didn't didn't bother getting one this season. And there's so many caveats to next season. He's up to ten thousand. If you get more than ten thousand season ticket holders, are you going to go to every game? Does it then make it worth it? There's so many caveats still to happen with COVID that I think people might just wait for another season, especially given the football that's on offer. And it's a results business. And if we were comfortable mid-table, we wouldn't be having these conversations. But we're no longer comfortable mid-table. And um, it seems to it's, it always seems to happen with town when it comes to renewing season. We're always crap. We've, the only season we've ever done well is the season we went up. Even when Wagner first came, we had quite a few big blips when people were going to renew. So, um, it, 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 But the club then did the whole Wagner revolution thing, didn't they? So uh, they, they actually pulled a, a rabbit out of the hat. It's going to be interesting to see what happens in the next few weeks because given all the very unscientific polls about people renewing, um, um, it, it seems to be two thirds will and a third won't, and, and that's quite significant, even if it's just a, a lot of whinging gits on Twitter. Anyway, um, thank you very much, gentlemen, for, for, for showing your faces on, on this Sunday morning. Thank you very much to everyone who listened. We shall be back next week, hopefully, with some better news. Hopefully, we'll have found some points miraculously, and we would have crushed Birmingham and left them closer to the relegation zone than we are, and we'll be in the 40s by then. But who the hell knows uh, Gaz Campy and thank you very much for your time until next week ciao for now 